0: Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here. Just another quick reminder to subscribe wherever you podcast and leave us a rating if you're really bored and have nothing better to do with your time. Uh, You can also reach out to me with any questions, comments or concerns at egraney at postmedia.com via email or I'm on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Shout out to those of you who have done that and sent me pictures of your dogs. You're absolute legends and you've made my days. Enjoy this week's episode of the Press Gallery. Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Emma Graney. It is Friday, March 2nd, 2018, and this is the Blast from the Past edition. Or as Canadians say, Blast from the Past.
1: Oh, that was not bad. That was not a bad... Uh... See, so you could learn to speak like a real Canadian if you tried. Uh, if, Yuri can, if Yuri can learn to skate and play hockey, then you, I can, can... you can learn to say Loheed.
0: I'm gonna get there one day with me today my legislative colleague Claire Clancy how are you mate I'm good hello hello Paula Simons who's gonna teach me how to talk proper (laughs) Canadian for sure eh for for sure oh yeah go for a rip bud and go for a rip go for a rip a rip no (laughs) you guys you know on your on your boggins. Okay, now I
2: lived in Newfoundland for a couple of years, so sometimes I do confuse. I love the from... the uh, shortening to bargains. Bargains, that's pretty Bye. awesome. Yes. Bye. Hey
0: Graham. Hey Graham, how are you? <laughs> He's shaking his head. Good
2: what morning. have
0: I got myself into? Yeah, another exactly. week of this madness, he says. Uh, so this week on the press gallery, uh, we're going to be talking Q three financial results. They were actually. Kind of positive-ish, which was kind of like past Alberta times, ye oldie Alberta. Um, Stephen Mandel won the Alberta Party leadership, so that's of course a political blast from the past. And finally, we're going to just briefly talk about uh, Grant Grant Hunter. Grant, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Grant Hunter, uh, the UCP MLA who talked. You go from
3: Australian him. to Canadian to English. <laughs> I don't know what's it's happening. Aggression this upward. <laughs>
0: So he uh, took his own little blast from the past to talk about the 2004 tsunami, and uh, we'll talk about those comments. So let's start off with um, let's start off with Q3 results because everyone loves to talk about money. Yeah, Graham's well, yeah. just staring well, at the desk like <laughs> it was interesting.
3: One of the best questions actually was asked by Emma at the uh, the press conference. This was Joel Cece came out with the Q3 results, and they're relatively good. And I think you asked him. Is this the the happiest you've ever been (laughs) since becoming finance minister? He goes, yeah, actually, yes, it is, because (laughs) they finally have some good news. And it's relatively good news. Um, The unemployment, uh, well, they've got 90,000 jobs are created. The deficit is down by $1.4 billion, and growth in the province, the GDP is pegged now at Mm 4.5%. So they're big, pushing those three really good positive signs. So that's why he was so happy.
1: It wasn't all happiness well,
0: in there, there was it? It Graham? wasn't all
1: skittles and beer. <laughs> skittles and
3: <laughs> beer. Now you're talking about not not skittles, the candy, are you? You're talking about skittles, the the game.
1: I think so. I think that's what that expression comes from, since it that's certainly right. predates the invention of of brightly colored candy. And pieces. skittles
3: actually was a game like bowling. Yes. <laughs> Back in the day, you so learn
2: it, something every day. It's it's every day. So so it's it's speaking plus
1: from the but past. But Graham, it it wasn't all <laughs> skittles and beer. It was it? not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> It was um, even though, of course, Joe C. thinks beer is good. It's <laughs> <That's> another famous <laughs> say min- saying from him. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so the problem is, of course, uh, the deficit's still nine billion dollars. So mm-hmm. it's gone from ten point four, roughly, down to nine, roughly. So it's still a really, really high deficit. The growth is good, but we're still in the hole. If we hit the recession, two thousand fifteen. And we're not out of that recession. We're not at the pre-recession rates in terms of growth. So we're still in that hole. We're still coming out another year or so before we actually get Mm. back to where we were, back to level ground, so to speak. And 90,000 jobs, yes, but the unemployment rate in Alberta is still pretty high. And uh, the rates in Edmonton and uh, Calgary are still among the highest of any cities in the country.
0: Now, Calgary did get, apparently, according to the numbers, Calgary has got all of its number of jobs back that it shed during the recession. But they're all different kinds of jobs. They're not in the same in the same fields. And this job number was an interesting thing because it was ninety thousand new full time jobs created in the last year, but the economy also shed forty six thousand part time jobs. So you're looking at at a spot where they're like, oh yeah, no, it means people are kind of moving from part time over to full time employment, which is of course a good thing. But it doesn't mean it was all just new stuff. There were there were a lot of jobs shed, but. They think, seem to think they're mostly part-time.
3: Defense. Yeah, so you get this sort of some good news, but still a lot of… Uh, it's tempered good news. It's tempered good news. So maybe a year from now of a better idea, right before the election, just how things are actually going. Of course, the opposition is all over this saying, look, the bad. there's a lot of bad things out there in the economy. Uh, the growth is not that great. The, um, in terms of investment in energy, that's not doing that great. Of course, compared to the U.S., they're really doing a lot better than we are. And Notley made a point of talking about Louisiana eating our lunch when it came to investment. Mm. So there's still a lot of room for growth. But relatively speaking, compared to the last two and a half years of this government's... um, uh, news on the econ- economic front. This is much, much better than we've seen in a long time.
1: So the deficit is down by a billion from what was, f- it was forecast. Right at
3: ten point four. Now it's going to be at nine nine. But billion. that's
1: not because of a reduction in program spending.
3: Uh, no. What's happened here? We've got two billion dollars more in revenue. Yes. Okay. I thought I, I was trying to be not to be too <laughs> too harsh on this. So it's two billion dollars more in revenue, but they're spending a billion dollars. Mm. So this is a government that's being hammered, of course. Uh, I think it was Mandel. We'll get to him in a second. But he had a little bit of a scrum as leader of the Alberta Party talking. But this government just cannot help itself. It keeps spending money. So it, it's in a, it's, it's got a huge debt, about $40, $45 billion in debt. Um, we have got $9 billion deficit this year. They get $2 billion more, and they spend half of it.
2: Yeah. And kind of after this more sunny ish um, outlook onto financials, can I ask, was there any mention of the kind of compassionate cuts um, messaging this time?
0: No, there wasn't a single. Compassionate Not the word. Compassionate Belt tightening. Oh, belt belt tightening. No no one's cutting anything. (laughs) we're just just tightening our belts. (laughs) No, there was not that. There wasn't a single line in the press conference that I heard Cece say that. We'll
3: see what happens in a few weeks because Mm. the next shoe to drop is going to be, or the boot to drop, whatever, the clog. (laughs) <laughs> boy, oh boy, I to go on. And it's going to be the um The budget 22nd. Uh, 22nd of March. They're so bringing down the provincial budget, which is interestingly right on the eve yeah. of the one-week break. <laughs> they're taking a break They're doing right it on afterwards. the
0: Thursday, and then wow. they're going on the one-week constituency break. Wow. That Christmas. is, that is don't precisely the, the sort of thing,
1: of course, that Blast from the Past. They used to blast the Conservatives for doing, oh, limiting debate in the House. We need to have a proper full, I mean, yeah, see, Kenny is going to say those things, and Jason Kenny is going to be correct. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, if, if we're talking about our skittles and beer, that is slightly dirty pool. I think to announce <laughs> the budget and then and then take a week constituency break. It's Ouch. not like
0: I guess so. It's not like people are going to go on constituency break and be like, oh. Let's forget about the budget. You know, they had too much beer and Skittles and forgot to come back with it the following week. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you're going to
3: find the ministers going out across the province and, you know, and selling this, I yeah. imagine, over that one-week yeah. break. But it, it keeps the opposition away from the House to keep hammering the government when it's freshly in people's minds.
2: But it will be interesting to see what happens because of kind of the last year of – or I guess the last maybe six months of hearing – there will be by belt tightening, but we don't know what that means. Like, So I'm really curious well, to is, see what the budget is There's two things we'll like. see
3: hopefully in this budget is belt tightening, what they mean by compassionate belt t- tightening, but that ties into the plan to balance the budget. They keep saying they have a plan to do it. We haven't seen that plan.
0: 2023. In... We swore. So, <laughs>
3: wow. It's like having Joe CC in there. That was
1: an impression of Joe Cece. <laughs>
0: that was just a general kind
1: of So, But it, but thing. in the meantime, you know, I, I, I'm always, you know, because I'm not at the ledge every day, I'm always... A little confuddled when they make an announcement as they did this week that they're going to put a billion dollars into you know bitumen into goosing the bitumen
3: industry. That's to partially upgrade that's right.
1: Yeah so is that money that is going to be announced in the budget?
3: This is money that it's not money they're giving away it's over eight years so it's two two hundred billion dollars and loan in, in and gr- grants grant, and $800, 800 million dollars in loan guarantee. So
1: yeah. oh, okay. it's over
3: eight years. But again, uh, that's a whole different topic and this is them saying we're going divers- to diversify the economy. That's not really diversifying the economy. We're well, still reliant. Well,
0: that was <laughs> specific to diversifying <laughs> the energy industry though, wasn't it? That was that's that task group. Oh, I see, so, it's not, so it's not just extraction. It's it's to No, because after the royalty review, um, they created this committee and they were tasked with finding ways to diversify the energy industry specifically. So it came back with this report this week um, saying, oh, here's an idea. How about we uh, build some partial upgraders? Not build them, but we get behind the partial upgrading we facilities. We them. And th-
3: The problem exactly is, of right. course, yes, yeah, so it's a billion dollars over eight years. Most of that is in terms of loan guarantees. Um, there's no guarantee it will create. Uh, they put th- like $5 billion in investment in 4000 or Four thousand jobs.
0: Yeah, 4,000 construction jobs, $5 billion in um, private sector and investment. And there's no guarantee
3: in over eight no. years. It's interesting, a little bit of uh, background to that is when they brought out the Royalty Review uh, a few years ago, you know, for years the NDP had been saying, we're going to uh, raise royalties if we ever become government. It's really important to raise royalties. Well, they didn't raise royalties, and a person who's really outspoken against the NDP was Gil McGowan. Head of the Alberta Federation of Labour, who is really critical of the government for not raising royalties.
1: Gil, Gil is a new Democrat, just to be, to, was, be, yeah. to be clear. Right, yeah. <laughs> <Yes. The laughs> AFL
3: and the NDP, it's yeah, like the kind of homies. Yes, so he was very critical, and uh, what happened is all of a sudden, Gil McGowan is co-chair of this committee that came out of the uh, royalty review, and Isn't he was
0: that convenient. Exa- it's a way
3: I think the way of uh, maybe you know. Uh, co-opting him, like say he just stops criticizing the government over this particular issue, and the way they're going to try and solve this by bringing value added to the energy industry is this watered-down version of the old NDP promise to refine and upgrade here in Alberta before we ship it out. What we're talking about here is not full refinery or upgrading, it's just partial upgrading, which basically means taking bitumen, and making it easier to transport in pipelines.
1: Yeah, in imaginary pipelines, which
3: exactly. But
1: this, d- but this did allow her a photo op where she got to put on the "I am the real heir of Peter Lougheed mantle and uh, look like a friend of the energy industry. So I guess that's
0: that is the value added for the NDP. Yeah, they mentioned um, Loheed a lot in that. <laughs> she, she, Who? She just, <sighs> <laughs> she just can't say it. La- La- <laughs> they mentioned him a lot. That former premier dude. <laughs> That starts with L. The 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 mystical King Arthur Premier of Alberta. <laughs> so Q three results um, happiest I've seen Joe C C mm-hmm. uh, for sure in the last two years since I've been here. Uh, budgets coming March twenty second. The opposition I thought were kind of handed a really excellent bat that they didn't use as heavily as they might have done when you've got the NDP getting two million, two million, two billion extra bucks in revenue, spending half of that. Drew Barnes, who's a finance critic now, only kind of mentioned that. Like he didn't really hammer down on that yeah, point. No, I, I was mentioned surprised. Mandel because
3: Mandel was much better in terms of you know, saying this government. Oh, this is
0: a segue, Mandel.
3: Ooh, I know.
0: Because our next topic.
3: Because I was getting away from Drew Barnes, because he did not do a great, give a great performance in front of the media in terms of his criticism of the budget. Mandel did a much better job in terms of putting it into a nutshell, saying, this government keeps spending, they get $2 billion more, and what do they do? They spend half of it. Now, that's, that's being simplistic, but hey, that's what politics often is. And is it surprising that the UCP didn't take the chance to
2: do a shadow budget, whereas... Emily, Derek Fildebrand and the Alberta Party yeah, are going budget to. come budget day, yes. That's kind I of going to be interesting. T-
1: Derek Fildebrand tweeted, yeah, I'll be producing a shadow budget. God bless him.
2: <laughs> I just wanted to mention that. Neener,
0: neener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yes, Alberta Party, of course, had their leadership uh, vote this week. What night was that? Oh, this week is- Tuesday. It was Tuesday night. Thank you, Clancy. Uh, yeah, I was there at the University <laughs> of Alberta, Lister Hall, where they announced these results. and um, In the Wild Rose room, I believe. It
2: was, which I thought was
0: funny. Yeah, so Stephen Mandel, former Edmonton mayor, former progressive conservative health minister, he is now the leader of the Alberta Party.
2: He won with 66% of the vote. 66%
0: mm-hmm. in a three-person race. That is, that is pretty mm-hmm. impressive.
3: If it was really a three-person race, and the thing is it really was a Mandel's, it was Mandel's race um, to win. And, I think, and one of my columns this week after he won, I think the headline said uh, Mandel is the best choice leader the obvious choice obvious choice thank you um but the thing is though like that okay i didn't write that headline because my point was of the three people in that race he was the obvious choice <laughs> but it wasn't a particularly strong field of candidates
0: when i tweeted out the fact that mandel had won i had a lot of really interesting feedback and this isn't from like hardcore people who hate the alberta party it was some alberta party supporters some NDPers, some conservatives it was just all going but why? Why did they pick Mandel? Because he is seen as a face of the old progressive conservatives. And they were all kind of like, Oh, you had a choice Alberta Party. You could have got Cara Levis, who's a, you know, a thirty five year old lawyer from Calgary, or maybe even Rick Fraser. Who who actually has, has a seat in the legislature. Yeah, what a novel concept. Um, yeah, well, he and he was third in the race.
3: He did. He Oddly he, enough.
0: I asked him about that afterwards. I was like, Does that hurt your heart a little bit that you only got sixteen per cent of the vote? And he's like, Well, honestly, yeah, but I guess I didn't work hard enough and I didn't do a good enough job. And sometimes in sometimes in life, like in hockey, you take knocks on the chin and I'm just going to take this one. It's like, okay. Well, you know,
1: there's a really simple answer to this question. The Alberta party didn't pick Mandel as the leader. The, leader, the, the leadership goes to the person who sells the most memberships. So if you sell the most memberships, then you win. Uh, Stephen Mandel has great ground game as a politician. Uh, He has a machine left over from his time as a popular mayor of the city of Edmonton. I was at his campaign launch. It was slick and high budget, and he had lots of Edmonton movers and shakers behind him. And he didn't win because the Alberta party sat down and decided he should win. He should win because lots of his friends and supporters bought memberships and voted for him. That's how this works. Whether that's in the long-term interests of the Alberta Party Caucus, which is three Calgary MLAs in the legislature. I mean, this is the challenge that Mandel now has.
3: But this wasn't really what they had hoped to achieve when they had Greg Clark step down. I mean, they had him step down. They more or less nudged him out. No,
0: no, no, Graham. He said it was in the best interest of the party. And his family. His family wanted wanted to spend more time with his family. Yes, Mm, Pushed Um, out. Graham, such a cynic.
3: This goes (laughs) back to the Alberta Together movement. This is the political action committee, the PAC, uh, which is more or less led by, well, behind the scenes by Stephen Mandel. And so this was a group of people. These, These are the former progressive Conservatives and I'm emphasizing the word progressive here because they were disgruntled after Jason Kenney took over the party and formed the UCP and and they thought he's too right wing. We're going to have our own moderate party, and then the Alberta Together movement took took over the Alberta Party. You know, we were at the convention and a lot of the the Alberta Party. Um, members, suddenly are the old PC members, and th- they, they, they took over the party. Now, the idea was for Greg Clark to step down as leader, to be a sort of groundswell of movement towards the party, half a dozen really good, interesting candidates come forward, and boy, it's really going to catch fire. Well, it didn't happen that way. He stepped down, and then it was crickets. Yeah. Nobody jumped in. Uh, Kara Levis, so he stepped down in the fall, so December, Kara Levis very um, courageously, bravely, said, I'll go in. So she joined the race after Christmas we had Mandel run after Rick Fraser announced he was running. This wasn't the way it was supposed to happen. I think Mandel was supposed to stay behind the scenes like the Alberta Together movement be the senior elder statesman help organize this party but people were not coming forward to run for leadership and then he jumped in and that's why we have Mandel and Paul is right he won because of his organization in Edmonton he's well known in Edmonton the problem is it's going to be a major problem for this party to get itself out and show it's a party for tomorrow province-wide when you have yesterday's Edmonton's mayor running it.
2: And also, you know, with the leadership race, Greg Clark had said multiple times, we want to drum up support, um, grow party membership. And they have grown, but it's like 4,500 people voted. So yeah. it, before 2019, they would have a lot of work to do, I guess, to be taken seriously yeah, as a valid option. S- about
0: you know? 70-something percent of the membership voted um, in the leadership mm-hmm. race, which is pretty much on par, is it not, with the UCP and the PC leadership races? They had… I mean, of yeah, how many of know, their membership they had fifty. Voting?
3: What percentage wise
0: I think they're in the 50s
3: because they got 95% of those who voted
0: got unity that's yes. for unity anywho but was. yeah you're right Like it, they, considering the fact that pretty much all of the members of the Alberta party are there now because they bought memberships for in the last year, Mm -hmm. only 70-something percent of them voting. It's an interesting...
2: And then it was 4,500 people of that, Mm -hmm. which it's just, I think it'll be interesting to see how much they're able to grow the party before 2019. I mean, what
1: what Mandel will be able to do is raise money in Edmonton, whether he'll be able to raise money in Calgary or in rural Alberta, you know, and get attention in rural Alberta. I mean, I I don't think rural Alberta is really going to be part of their game plan. I mean, he is the ultimate urban, urbane candidate. But... You know, as Graham said right out the gate, he's a forceful public speaker. He knows how to work the media. Um, he frankly, uh, provincial politics, I think, are always going to be a weird fit for him because as mayor, he was the boss of himself. He didn't have to boss around a city council. Um, you know, and he's and he's kind of good at being the lone wolf. Whether he'll be able to lead a caucus in the legislature without a seat in particular—that that's a separate—that's a separate question. But Will he be able to get people to take out their checkbooks? I, th- I think in Edmonton, at least, he will.
2: And he served one term under Prentice and then lost his seat, right? It wasn't one it term. It wasn't even a term. Oh. He
0: was appointed as health minister without a seat by oh, Prentice.
3: Right. And then he won a right. by election yeah. in October, and then by the following May, they were...
0: Yeah,
1: see, and, and the thing is, he was always... And I, I wrote a column telling him this at the time. Uh, don't, don't, don't. What? I, to, I told him, Julie, don't go, um, uh, because because it, it was a really peculiar thing. He had never been a PC party stalwart. He was one of Alison Redford's harshest critics. I mean. And even Stelmack, he had a pretty good relationship with Stelmack at the end, but he, you know, he despised Klein. Uh, he, he could be quite critical of Stelmack. And he was ferocious in his, in his uh, takedowns of Alison Redford. So when Prentice tapped him without a seat to be a cabinet minister, the idea was that he was just going to like come in, in the short term and kind of clean up the health portfolio. And I think he was really quite disillusioned with provincial party politics once he got into it which is why i was gobsmacked to see him get back into it um you'd think that at this point he would be wanting to spend more time
0: in honolulu which is his happy place but i asked him about um that whole notion of okay you're an you're an old face of the pcs and he kind of went oh i don't know don't take it personally but you kind of are and he said well I was a progressive conservative, and I want to highlight the word progressive, because I didn't leave them, they left me. He said
3: that. Yeah. Okay.
0: He said, I'm a progressive conservative, and he was... uh, You can't see it at home, because we're in the you know, audio medium here, but he was like, progressive, and he was very much highlighting that word, and then he said, I didn't leave them, they left me, and this is our new home. I found this new home with this great bunch of people who are fantastic, and we're members from all over the shop, which is... Kind of true. I mean, Rick Fraser is a former UCP, PC, independent. Karen um, McPherson is a former NDPer. And then he comes from, you know,
3: Well, the, the thing is, is, you know, he will be positioning his, his party as a progressive, middle-of-the-road party. Yeah. But the thing is, they're based, as Paula points out, like his strength is in Edmonton. Even though they have three MLA's in Calgary, the leader's strength and the guy who won the leadership race is from Edmonton. And it's going to be a problem, I think, for the NDP if he takes votes away from them next election. Now, the NDP is going to be trying to position him as another conservative party. He'll be saying, no, I'm a progressive, in the middle of the road, moderate person. I think this is going to be a bit of a tug of war and I think it's going to play out uh, more in Edmonton than in Calgary
2: and he had an event on Sunday when he voted and um, I went to cover it and he basically I just thought it was interesting what you just said because I asked you know is it is it a party for former PCers and he said no like it's people from all over every political spectrum so I feel like they all say I know (laughs) but I just but I just (laughs) feel like it's even Jason Kenney says that but uh, but that's the thing is I just feel like this constant message is not getting out there because everyone does view this party as a former PC party but but
1: I think in in fairness I really don't think Mandel was ever part of the PC machine I mean, he was not part of the Klein cabal. He was not part of Alison Redford's inner circle. I mean, he really wasn't. And even Prentice, he didn't really know Prentice in in a lot of ways before he got tapped to do that job. I mean, I I think whether a 73-year-old former Edmonton mayor is the guy who can take the Alberta party, which has a Calgary base, and win them enough seats in the next election to make them a party that matters is a separate question. But I think the idea that he's an old PCer, I don't, I don't think that's fair or accurate. No, I'd
3: agree with you because he was health minister for such a short period of time. He's known as the Edmonton mayor. And I think that to me, I think Paul is right that he'll be seen and position himself more as, as the middle-of-the-road, moderate, progressive-type person who's going to be, if you think the NDP is too far to the left and the UCP is too far to the right, well, here's the Alberta party in the middle led by Stephen Mandel. The problem's going to be, I think, this is going to be playing more in terms of a spoiler effect in Alberta politics at the expense of the NDP than people saying this is a second conservative party. But I can
1: tell you something about Stephen Mandel. He likes to win. He does not come for the milk and cookies. He is not there for the participation ribbon. Uh, he likes to win. And I'm going to be interested to see because he has got a lot of smart young people who worked on his campaign. Uh, I mean, all his campaign team are, you know, sort of younger millennials. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he he
0: he does not enter things to be ornamental. Also, just very briefly about his age, uh, Laurent from... Um radio canada he he was asking i was like you're the oldest one in the race like what do you think about that and mandel got kind of persnickety about and he's like yeah isn't that great i have lots of experience i have more experience isn't that great lots of people are old these days who cares like kind of thing and then laurent asked him (laughs) another question about what his plan was was his plan to become premier and um and mandel turned around and said of course it is kiddo and like (laughs) ruffled laurent's hair (laughs) And Laurent, God bless him, he, he was like, uh, did you just call me kiddo? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, now you will call Laurent I mean, kiddo.
1: It, it, it is like having your, you know, it's like having your cool grandpa. running for things but you know it's funny i mean that's indicative mandel is a mandel is a toucher and a feeler and he likes i mean he's a a literally hands-on politician it's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out i mean people in edmonton are used to him people in the rest of the province are are maybe in for a surprise
0: all right now very very briefly uh, i just want to talk about um the latest comments from grant hunter this is Graham's already giggling to himself. But you're so. seeing
3: the latest comments. It's always, <laughs> well, that's always a bad sign when you're a politician. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it kind of is. I mean, Grant Hunter was part of the um, the blog group that compared the carbon tax or kind of made this bizarre link between the carbon tax and Holodomor last year. Um, he also got up during the minimum wage debate and was talking about um, the difference between tax and charity and made this really strange odd link to single mums getting handouts was like communism. It was very strange. Then in the Tabor Times, uh, they had an article. He was talking about it to a room of supporters and apparently he just got back from a trip to Southeast Asia and he compared the devastating 2004 tsunami to the election of the NDP in Alberta of 2015. <laughs> um, quote, two and a half years ago, there was another type of disaster that happened in Alberta. And then he goes on from here. And yeah, now he also says, now I have no problems with the NDP. They're nice people. Some of the nicest people you meet. The problem is I do have problems with the way they've taken Alberta. And then he went on from there. So I actually wanted to kind of talk about this idea of, um, I guess, comments that are said on social media or in the media by, not just the UCP, but by MLAs and how they're quoted and how these are going to be used in the 2019 election. Graham, they're going to store these out, aren't they? Well,
3: but the, the NDP is digging everything up. In fact, it's interesting on that. The Hunter comment was a stupid comment, absolutely. And he's, he's, I think he's tried to apologize for it. But, hey, but
1: is he sorry you were offended? Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's not an apology, Graham. Well, the thing is, though, it's <laughs> Be interesting better.
3: that the NDP, of course, isn't going to let us rest. They actually had um, the House leader, um, Brian Mason, yeah. held a scrum in the rotunda of the legislature to make sure that we <laughs> covered it to make sure that we were aware of this and to, this is something that we'll see more of. Any sort of um, stupid comments from backbenchers of the UCP would be responded not just by someone uh, being a bit upset in the NDP, but actually having a news conference or a scrum to actually call us together as a media to attack. See,
1: this makes you look silly too. What you should just do is mock people. Mockety-mock, mock, mock. mock. Because to, (laughs) because, to compare, you know, now, I mean, in fairness, you know, if we call it a landslide election, we're not actually comparing it to the Frank Slide. Um, if you say it was like a tsunami that swept Alberta, you're not actually comparing it to a devastating natural disaster that killed Bet thousands and thousands of people. Except but, he did. Except he did. So the thing is, what you should do is just make fun of him uh, and not clutch your pearls and make it sound, you know, your 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 response should be proportionate to the arena in which the grievance
0: appeared first. well my, my friend's dad died in that so he can just yeah. shove it I think well, what'll be
2: what'll be interesting like it was yeah, a horrible remark to make but what I think will be interesting is seeing um because you know Jason Kenney also said we're going to raise the bar of ethical standards in our party so what's that internal <laughs> conversation going to be like amongst them
3: well on that point it's interesting you've got you know Hunter also saying I like the NDP they're good people yeah and, that's and you nice. have Kenny he doing the very same thing. He'll say, NDP, look, they're really, really good people. They're doing the best they can. The Premier um, is, is doing the best she can. But also, he'll say, but they're liars. You know, <laughs> they lied about the carbon tax. They're misleading Albertans. They're killing jobs. Um, but he'll say, he'll call them liars, and then he'll back it up by saying, well, hold on. I think that they're really good people. They want it and both I, and ways. I want to
1: restore civility to politics. Exactly.
3: So, so they want to be able to attack people, um, as call the NDP, the Premier liars and then say, but hold on, we think that they're good people, therefore we should bring back civility into politics. But at the same time, they want it both ways. They want to be able to attack the NDP on a personal level, but yet stand back and say we're not being personal. Of course, the NDP has been attacking um, uh, Kenny on a personal level. And this is heading up into, of course, next week. We'll have the start of the, the session. With uh, Notley and Kenny face to face, literally in the house.
0: Thursday, throne speech. Wood wood. I'm excited, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the you'll be tweeting a storm during that yeah well
0: what's going to be really exciting
1: of course is not just I mean throne speeches do not give me the same thrill of joy that they (laughs) give to Emma but what what it is what is going to be really exciting is what it's going to look like when Jason Kenney is in the house because I mean I always loved watching the Rachel Notley Brian Jean interplay Uh, they were quite funny bouncing off each other it's going to be fascinating to see what the Jason Kenny, Rachel Notley, Jason Kenny, Sarah Hoffman, Jason Kenny, Brian Mason back and forth is like. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I think it'll just be interesting to see kind of if Jason Kenney actually comes out and disciplines people in his party for comments they make, because that was something we asked him repeatedly, like, how far will you actually wade into your MLAs who make comments? And um, with this Grant Hunter comment, you know, like, people asked for comment from his office, and there was nothing. So.
0: All right, let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we have read or listened to or seen lately that we think you might also like. Clancy, let's start off with you, mate.
2: I'm going to recommend a sad piece again. Again? (laughs) Yeah, but it's really interesting. Um, It's a BBC multimedia project, and it's called The Exorcism That Turned Into Murder. And it's really interesting. It's about a woman in Nicaragua who died after going through an exorcism in her village. And it's kind of this um, multimedia project about traditional beliefs and um, how they can play into, you know, is it murder? Is it not? Very interesting piece.
1: Wow. Paula. I am going to suggest something completely different. I have read lots of very serious and important things this week about US trade policy and about gun control, and I'm going to recommend something completely different. It is the reboot of what used to be called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Now it's just called Queer Eye. My favorite show that I binged already. (laughs) And I'm already sorry I used up all the episodes. So now you go use up all the episodes because this is not just a fashion makeover show. This is a truly remarkable social artifact capturing conflicts in American culture at this moment set not in New York but based out of Atlanta. And so they spend their time, they take their five fabulous... You know makeover guys and they take them to small town georgia to make over nascar fans and local county sheriffs and an entire fire department um and it is just remarkable how much this show talks about red politics blue politics the divide between urban and rural culture in america it it is remarkable i know you think i'm being completely ridiculous but uh it is a thing to watch, uh, you know, when they start talking about Black Lives Matter, because, you know, one of the makeover guys is f- fabulous and black. And one of the the makeover, uh, make-over candidates, ease. makeover ease, is a small town uh, cop. And they start talking about what it means to be a black man in America when a white cop pulls you over uh, and what it means to be a white cop in America where you think every black person hates you. Uh it's it's a thing. So huh. so watch Queer Eye, and also you will learn to make really good grilled cheese sandwiches. I highly recommend this show, and also and also for the sangria tips. Yeah. Okay,
3: it's so, a tough act to follow. Anna. I guess
0: so. You know what? I'm going to recommend a couple of songs from one of my favorite musicians. His name is Frank Turner. Last week he dropped his new song, which is called "Be More Kind," and it is lovely. It's about being in a world that is really messed up and how everyone should just try and be a little bit nicer to each other to make the world a better place. The song he released before that was called 1933 in which he talks about fascism and how we perhaps are <laughs> going back there. So <laughs> Frank Turner is a legend. I love him with all of my heart. And uh, yeah, everyone should go Boy. and listen to his new two new songs. His new album's going to drop in May, so I'm very
3: excited. Hmm. Graham. It's a tough act to follow. Mm. Tough acts to follow. Well, okay, this, this weekend, if you're at a dinner party, and the topic of steel <laughs> manufacturing comes up.
0: Oh, every dinner
1: party <laughs> well, I and, go and
3: to. And why do. wouldn't it?
0: Why not? Well, this weekend it actually might.
3: <laughs> uh, well, there's a, st- there's a really uh, interesting uh, it's a short opinion piece in the New York Post about why Trump is an idiot.
1: Oh, John Podhoritz, It was a great yes. piece. It was. Uh, it was
3: it laid it out very uh, clearly as to why this is a stupid thing he's talking about for the U.S. consumers, You know, never mind international trade, but just, just for the people he's trying to help, he's making things a lot worse by bringing in, or talking about bringing in uh, massive tariffs on steel and uh, aluminum, and I've sent you the link already. I mean,
1: and John Podhortz is a fast voice in American discourse right now because he's a very conservative of the never-Trump variety, Absolutely. and so when he does a takedown like this, this is, you know, it, it, it's... Sick right. burn. Yeah, sick burns. Sick burn. It is yeah, full so it's, of sick, it's sick burns. definitely
3: the point of view of a conservative. You know, yeah. one of the people who actually, um, yeah, and Paul is right. He's been very critical of Trump as a conservative, explaining what things should be done. And if you're a conservative, and this is a really good example, explaining things in a very simple way. So again, if you're at dinner, up comes the issue of steel and, and aluminum manufacturing and trade. You can then rebut thank you, Graham. all the Trump supporters at dinner. <laughs> thank you, Graham. Because um, this is,
0: just sounds exactly what my weekend's going to be like. Exactly. <laughs> it's not. It's going to be binging Queer Eye. Um, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining me. Clancy, Paula, Graham, and Sean Bartz here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery along with some little videos of our beautiful faces. Join us again this time next week on the Press Gallery.